coordinating. Uh, this morning, we're so glad that we could uh, come into God's presence and uh, worship. And now we're going to study God's word and meditate on God's word. And uh, uh, I hope you can see the screen. You can see the screen? Not yet, Pastor. Not yet. Okay, I'm trying to see this. Now? Yes, Pastor. Okay. Okay. Praise God. Thank you for bearing with me for the little bit of delay. Um, this morning, we are going to see on a subject called Challenger to God. I'm sure we will all, from our small childhood, we have known that there is no challenger to God. That is a fact. But we should also know there is a challenger to God. You know, we make that uh, a challenger to God. And the way we respond uh, to that particular uh, say product or um, the the particular desire can make us to make that a challenger to God. And um, from we have seen in our families how sometimes children ask, sometimes parents ask, sometimes the children ask the parents, who whom do you love most? You know, I'm sure I can see smiles on the faces. I'm sure you have that. Sometimes the parents ask, whom do you love most? And uh, children are very, very uh, careful, wise, prudent, shrewd. The daddy is there, they'll say, daddy, I love you most. And mommy is there, they'll say, mommy, I love you more. And both are there, I love you both most. So we find this is, uh, you know, it's a funny thing to ask the children such or the parents such, but it happens. You know, we always want to know who our children loves most or how much our children loves us, you know, even if it's a playful thing or how much our parents love us. But we should know that there is a challenger to God and God has mentioned what is it very clearly. And uh, this morning we will read this passage from the, it's on the screen. Asha will read it. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. 
for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light i tell you use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own no servant can serve two masters either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money thank you asha uh, it's one of the most difficult of the parables to understand which jesus told when he was on this earth it sounds controversial because the master commends the dishonest steward and jesus seems to endorse it and uh, first we must know that originally in the bible there were no chapter and verse divisions this has to be read as a whole within the context of not just one chapter but uh, other chapters also and later the entire book and uh, we find we must know that this parable serves as a bridge between the stories of the prodigal son that is mentioned in chapter 15 verses 11 to 32 and the rich man and lazarus in chapter 16 verses 19 to 31 and um, it's a bridge you know this is uh, somewhere in between and uh, you find that like the prodigal son in the preceding story our dishonored manager has squandered what was entrusted to him he has wasted it away the prodigal son wasted it and here you find uh, the a uh, dishonest toward wasting it and also in the next chapter it is also uh, you know you should understand like the story that uh, follows this parable begins with a phrase there was a rich man there was a rich man you know so you find that this is a bridge between chapter 15 uh, prodigal son story and chapter 16 uh, the rich man and lazarus's story and uh, like luke um, uh 16 uh, we find that uh, uh, uh the in luke ch- chapter 15 you find that uh, the pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at jesus okay we will see that a little while jesus was constantly teaching uh, his disciples uh, some valuable lessons about the kingdom uh, principles about how to live in the kingdom jesus was constantly teaching his disciples and uh, teaching them about living for god and here in this parable is teaching about faithfulness to god and what is to be what is a challenge to god what is a challenge to god in this world and uh, the parable in luke 16 is directed to the disciples and uh, because the pharisees were lovers of money you can read that when you read in luke chapter 16 and verse 14 the pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at jesus they were mocking at jesus for saying this and when jesus was t- telling this parable uh, about this uh, un- unfaithful steward the pharisees were listening that's what the bible says in verse 14 of the same chapter and they were very angry at jesus but jesus was telling the story uh, of the unjust steward 
uh, to his disciples. Uh, but you also find that uh, in, uh, uh, but looking at the context, you look at in chapter 15 and verses 1 to see, uh, 12, uh, 2, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Here you find it is for all the people. You know, in chapter 15, he was talking to all the people. And, uh, and in chapter 15 and chapter 16, he was talking to his Pharisees. But uh, when you compare these both, I'm sure Jesus is speaking to all of us so that we can learn a very important lesson in life. What is that which challenges us for loving God, to loving God? And here in this uh, parable, we'll just go through these, uh, about this unjust steward. He was a slothful, slothful steward. You know, it was one of the slothful stewardship. The Bible says, Jesus told in 16.1, told his disciple, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So you called him and asked him, what is this? I heard about you. Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The steward wastes his master's wealth. And the steward is one of those who manages the wealth, the riches, and the possessions of another person. It, he's not the own. He's only having it for some time. And he has to carefully handle it. But finally, he has to give an account to his master. And here the owner is the rich man who receives a complaint that the steward has wasted his substance or his wealth or possession. And as soon as he hears it, uh, he begins to dismiss him. You know, it's really funny. He doesn't have any inquiry committee and uh, he doesn't have any um, uh, investigation. He just uh, dismisses him immediately and tells him, okay, please come and give your account of your management, of your stewardship. You are fired. And uh, what I think is maybe he heard from a very reliable source or maybe intelligence report, very clear intelligence report that st steward was wasting his substance. And that's why he was uh, chasing him immediately. And also, some say that it was also because of the loss of honor for the master or the rich man. You know, uh, when a rich man or the master handles all his servants, and when one of the servants is unfaithful to him, it always reflects on the master. As the master is useless, or the master is not uh, proper, and the master is careless. And we know that in management and leadership, they say everything rests on leadership. You know, any success, it's on the leadership. Any failure, it's on the leadership because of the leadership. We also see that, you know, in, uh, in uh, cricket teams and football teams and hockey teams, uh, sports, uh, we find that the captain is fired, the manager is fired. Uh, or no, the team manager is fired or the captain is fired uh, if the results are bad. And, uh, you know, one of the scholars say this has to do with the honor of the master, which at that time in both Jewish and Greco-Roman societies were tied to the master's ability to have firm and good control over the behaviors of every person in his household, as this could bring disrepute to the master. So the master does not investigate. He gets a report and his honor is at stake and he fires them. And the steward not only wasted his master's good, but has put his master to shame. He was a slothful waster. He was a slothful steward. And it's an, it's a, 
uh, lesson to all of us. We are stewards and we can't be slothful. Then you find this slothful steward, because of this, he suffers shame. Luke chapter 16 and verse 3, the Bible says, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? Master, my master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. What will I do now? Think of that. Suddenly, he thinks about his future. All this while, he never thought about his future. He was only talk, thinking about the present. And when the reality came face to face, he said, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. It's a lesson that there is an end for all slothful, shameful things. And we will face shame. And when he was wasting his positions, either through laziness or carelessness, he did not find it shameful. He was not ashamed of his disloyalty. He was careless with his master's money. The steward was not thinking of his future when he was wasting away his master's wealth. And all of a sudden, he thinks of his future. He never thought of his master's welfare, even now. And instead, he's only thinking about his future. He was thinking about himself. A slothful steward faces shame. He has to give an account to the master. And then you find smartness or shrewdness. You know, some people say he's very shrewd. Some people say he's very smart. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a decision that you and I have to make. He was slothful. He had to suffer shame. And was he smart or was he shrewd? This steward did not think of shame from the right perspective. But however, he was smart to the core. He was shrewd, but he did not use it to help his master's gain at all. He never thought his master should gain more but he uses his master's wealth and his smartness or his shrewdness in a very different way for selfish ends. The Bible says in Luke 16, verse 4 to 7, I know what I will do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his masters. Let us, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The master manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. You know, here you find him changing the debt balance of his master uh, and who trusted him through being liberal to his master's debtor. He was not giving it out from his pocket. What is due to his master he was reducing it. He's saying, write it. And he had one thing in his mind. He says in verse 4, I know what I will do when I lose my job so that people will welcome me. So he wants to help the debtors by reducing the debt balance so that when he's fired, the same people will receive him. You know, it was almost like a bribery. It was almost like, you know, a cheating. 
it was cheating actually he was it was like a bribery and uh, it says uh, nine, 900 to 450 gallons it's reduced of olive oil one gallon is equal to about 3.78 liters approximately about uh, 450 gallons of olive oil he has reduced and if you calculate 450 into 3.75 it's almost about 1000 uh, uh, no 18000 uh, gallons or 1800 gallons of uh, olive oil, liters of olive oil he reduces and then from 1000 bushel to 800 bushel of wheat one bushel is equal to 25 kgs approximately about 200 uh, k uh, bushel into 25 uh, kgs you know you can calculate about 1000 uh, kgs he reduces and uh, he wants to show that he is very generous and he thought he was smart uh, he was uh, shrewd and uh, he wants to help out his master's thing but in turn he wanted to help himself but he does this for selfish ends the bible says uh, here in 16 and verse 3 the manager said to himself what shall i do now my master is taking away my job my master is taking away my job i'm not strong enough to dig he must be old or maybe coming to retirement age and i'm ashamed to beg i had been a manager and how can i beg now so i know what i will do and all that came to him was he can only cheat the master it may seem like a sarcastic comment uh, uh, from the master but this is what the master said it this is what the master said it uh, the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly you know the master would have observed maybe this sort of sarcastic comment but the bible doesn't mention and um, he commended saying wow i wish you had been shrewd like this when i gave you the responsibility so that you are gained for me but you are shrewd now for your own self maybe he meant that and uh, the irony is jesus also seems to have endorsed it and he says for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light i tell you jesus said use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings into eternal dwellings did jesus did jesus endorse it you see that in amplified bible and his master commended the unjust manager not for his misdeeds but because they had acted shrewdly by preparing for his future unemployment for the sons of this age the non-believers are sure in relation to their own kind that is to the ways of the secular world that are the sons of light than the than are the sons of light so here the amplified bible almost like a commentary tells us that the manager the master commended the unjust manager not for his misdeeds because he acted shrewdly to prepare for his future unemployment by jesus said the people of the world are shrewd and dealing with their own people jesus did not commend this evil act but compared the children of darkness with the children of light and in verse 19 he said i tell you use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings 
Jesus was telling them to use worldly wealth to gain friends for eternity after they die. What did he mean? He said that you can use whatever you get, the worldly wealth, the wealth that will go away. Why he said worldly wealth? Because we can't take it to the next world. We can't you know, bundle everything, pack everything, and we can't transfer the uh, money there. You know, there was a, a rich man, very rich man, who was dying. He called his wife and he said, darling, I've saved so much of money for you, but even if you give me half when I'm dying, the other half you can really enjoy your life. So when I die, you pack half of my wealth and bury that wealth with me. It's a funny story. And the man died. And uh, the pastor came, he was uh, preaching, then he prayed and they sang a song and said, we're going to close the uh, coffin and going to lower it to the ground. And at that time, the wife, you know, she just wiped her tears, uh, two drops of tears. She wiped and she said, just wait. She took out an expensive, opened an expensive uh, handbag, took out a check and wrote a check, $50 million. And she dropped it into the um, coffin and said, okay, now close it. And somebody asked, what are you doing? So she said, no, you wanted half of my wealth, half of the wealth that he has saved. So I'm just giving it to him so that he can enjoy that wealth. My dear brother, my dear sister, we can never carry wealth into the other world. It all stops here. And Jesus said, use that wealth. What you have, what is given to you. For what? So that that money will be used to help others gain the kingdom perspective to know the savior, their hearts will be open so that they will be able to accept Jesus and come into the heavenly abode. You can use it. And through that, you can gain eternal dividend. That's what Jesus said. Stewardship. He was slothful and slothful stewardship cannot escape. We have to give an account. The next one, shame is the result of slothful stewardship. Shame is sure to happen to all those who are slothful in the stewardship. And smartness or shrewdness cannot help anyone escape accountability. We can be smart, we can be shrewd in this world, but we can never help, it can never help anyone to escape accountability. Now, some of the important lessons from this a uh, beautiful parable uh, that Jesus told. And Jesus said it's because, why he said that? Because the Pharisees were lovers of money and they were getting angry. He was telling the disciples something important. Be very careful of your money, of what, how you gain, how you get. First one, Jesus said was, be faithful in small things. Luke chapter 16, 10. He said he was he that is faithful in that which is least or small is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. Your faithfulness or unfaithfulness is a matter of character. If your character is there in small things, it will be consistent also in big things. You understand? If our character is there in small matters, the character will be there also in bigger matters. 
and never despise small responsibilities because it is small. Never compromise in small matters in our lives. We have to be careful. The steward was shrewd, but was not sincere. He was shrewd, but he was not sincere. He was smart, but he was not sincere. God honors sincerity, not smartness and shrewdness. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you're going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. He says, for you to work, work now and do it with all your heart and whatever your hand finds to do. The scripture, first time I heard when I was a new Christian from the mouth of Uncle Dinakaran's father. He taught me the scripture. And I was a college student and um, I had uh, bunked college and gone for ministry. And I went to him and I was telling him what all happened. He said, what about your college? I said, I did not go to college. So he was very upset and he told me, Prem, God wants you to be faithful in what you're doing now at present. Never think of ministry now. Do what is given to you now. And whatever your hand finds to do it with your mind, that means whatever your present responsibility, do it well. God is happy. It taught me a huge lesson. I said sorry to him. I called him Tata. I said sorry, Tata. And uh, it really helped me. And the scripture has, has been part of my life. And I like this scripture so much. And I wanted to really honor God by following the scripture. Whatever your hand finds to, let there be excellence, quality, you know, love in what we do, however small it is. And today the world wants to do everything where everyone is seeing. But we and I as believers have to be careful and pay equal attention for small things as we may do for big things. Small things that we do in silence, in, in, in hidden rooms, how we do when nobody is watching. Because God is watching. God is there watching. And here you find the steward was not consistent in his character. He was faithful, unfaithful in small matters. And finally, when it came at the end, he showed his true character. And the master has to tell him, you were smart like this in the other matters. And uh, Joseph interpreted dreams in the dungeon when nobody was watching. And one day he could go to the palace and interpret the dreams. If he had been quiet in the dungeon, when the other prisoners were telling the dreams, he would have been in the dungeon and died there. But whatever God had given to him, he did it faithfully in the dungeon. And later, he was able to stand in the prison, in the, in the palace, and interpret the dream. Daniel faced God in secrecy, maintained his fellowship with God, his prayer time with God in secrecy, in the midst of threats. And God enabled him to face the king of Babylon. And later, he could become the prime minister of the country. Daniel was doing his work faithfully in small things. He was faithful before God within the room where nobody was watching. 
and God lifted him up. And in my experience, I have found very few people who love to carry out small work with absolute commitment and sincerity. Very few people. And may you and I never be in that larger crowd of insincere people, but be in that small crowd of sincere people. And here, this person was doing this because of money. And Colossians 3.23, the Bible says, slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything. And it is not only when their eyes is on you to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whose eye is upon you and me? Sincerity of heart. God sees, God's eyes goes inside. Man will not see that. And also reverence for the Lord. And then at verse 23, whatever you do, do, do at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And uh, you and I have to be extremely careful. And in 1983, I'm sure most of you were not born, uh, India was playing West Indies in the World Cup, Prudential World Cup finals at Lords. And India scored a very small uh, score of 183 runs. And the Indian players themselves decided, because this was told by one of the cricket uh, players of the team, Srikanth, that uh, they were all laughing and joking because they've reached the final, because nobody expected India to reach the final. And they've reached the final. They're fa facing West Indies, who were two times world champions before. So they know they're sure to lose. And uh, even if they lose, nothing to bother. So they were all having a practice. A previous, uh, that match day, uh, Vivian Richards, called as the master blaster, he was blasting away the score, uh, the runs. 28 balls, 33 runs. And uh, 183 is a small score for West Indies with such uh, classic players like Gordon Greenwich and so many other lovely batsmen. And as they were score, uh, Vivian Richards was blasting away. And Kapil Dev, the Indian captain, took a very difficult kind. Madanlal bowled, and, uh, and the ball was coming from behind. And Kapil Dev was going before the ball. The ball was traveling behind high. And his eyes, his eyes was, his head was lifted up, his eyes were on the ball, and he caught Vivian Richards. And that brought a slide in the other batsmen and India won the World Cup. And the manager of the team gave an interview and he said this. The previous day, when all the players were had a quota of catches, you know, uh, practice, each one had to do 50 catches. And all the others said, it's very, we are very tiring and we are not going to go through the 50 and they finished with 20, 30, and 20. But Kapil Dev insisted, no, I'm going to go through all the 50 catches. And he's the only player as the captain of the team who went through the whole motion of the practice. And no doubt, when the crucial moment came, it was Kapil Dev who caught that catch and dismissed the master blaster and India went on to win. Whenever I think of it, I always think sincerity pays. Faithful in small things 
is important for you and me. Jesus meant money is not everything. Please note that in mind. Money is not everything. Being faithful is everything. The next one is be faithful in secular matters. Be faithful in small things. Now be faithful in secular matters. Handling worldly wealth, money and other responsibilities that generate money to our pockets. That is, that is secular matters. And you find that in Luke 16, 11, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Worldly wealth, handling worldly wealth, money and other responsibilities that you and I get that generates money into our pockets. How are we conducting ourselves in our private moments? At work and when discharging our duties when no one is watching. I already mentioned, be responsible in small matters. But remember, we all are involved in some work or the other. Housewives take care of the house. Men and other women work. Men also help at work. Children help their parents. They have responsibilities and leadership in schools and colleges. Now, as followers of Christ, we have to know there are two aspects to work. The first one is secular. The other one is sacred. And we divide work into these two areas. Working in business, office, we call it as secular. And in ministry, as, as sacred. But I always think like this. It is improper to say so. Because all work is sacred. It is given by God. And uh, if you go to Vidan Sauda, in front of Vidan Sauda, there's a huge, you know, phrase written, government work is God's work. It is not just government's work, but all work belongs to God. And God is the first worker. And God did the, uh, created the world and he said, it is very good. Proverbs 22, verse 29, the Bible said, do you see a man diligent in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before mean men. NIV says, do you see someone skilled in their work? Good news translation says, you see someone good at job. I will show that person he will stand before the king and not in the company of unworthy people. And Luke 16, 11, he said, if so, if you have been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Wow. You know, God is looking at how we see, how we carry out the responsibility that comes our way. And when we are faithful in those matters, the Bible tells, Jesus said, he will trust us, God will trust us with the true riches. You know, you and I can make a huge study, what are the true riches? And I'm sure we will come out with some encouraging answers. The true riches belong to heaven. And God will trust, with, uh, trust us with the riches of heaven. A person become recipient of heavenly riches if they are faithful in the secular matters. And the thermometer to check our trustworthiness in spiritual matter is according to how truthful we are in other responsibility that comes our way. And Jesus meant money is not everything. Money is not everything. The next one, 
be faithful in someone else's thing be faithful in small things small matters be faithful in secular matters be faithful in someone else's matters here this slothful steward is told in luke chapter 16 and verse 12 and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own who will give you property of your own it's important that what jesus said here was god is testing all of us our trustworthiness our faithfulness every small matter there is a record being kept by god we don't know how we keeps the record but god knows it because here according to the scripture he says who will trust you the property of your own something of our own will come to us he reduced the amount of his master so he could get a favorable reception when he is out of work that was the mind of that steward squandering another's position was considered a disgraceful crime during those days it was considered a disgraceful crime and that's what he did he squandered his master's position and now he is reducing what has to come to him he is telling the debtors now reduce it don't worry i am the man who has to give an account i'll give this account indirectly he's telling them i will come and receive it when i come lay out later and he's fired he's fired this voluntary debt reduction was done by the was always done by the master but here the steward steps in and says i will do it instead of the master and he did it for his selfish end people care for their own things so well but when it comes to others property and things people are not careful and i've known some people you know houses i've gone and it will be really a mess we had a struggle some time ago in our own house you know the tenant who kept the house so messy and when we asked him you know cobwebs and you know it was so bad when we asked him he said i am paying you rent i will keep the house how i want you know someone else's property i've gone to some houses dirty and filthy why because it belongs to someone else god is watching us god is watching us joseph comes to my mind again he was so meticulous in handling the responsibility in potiphar's house though he was a slave and god made him the ruler of the land later he was he was a slave he left his father's home and he was lonely and he faced several challenges but at he was faithful and god made him the ruler of the nation and the principles of god never changes philippians 2:4 let each of you look not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others and this steward was slothful in small things was not faithful in small thing the steward was not faithful in secular matters and the steward was not faithful in someone else's things and jesus wraps up this parable by saying in verse 30 no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon and you know why jesus said that 
Jesus said it because the Pharisees were also listening and they were mocking. And he said, no one can serve two masters. They heard it. And the Bible says in Psalm 62 and verse 10, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I'm thankful to God because the scripture ministered to me before I left for Saudi Arabia to work. And uh, I was earning very well. And the scripture was always on my mind. Never set on your riches because your money balance is increasing. And I always reminded myself, I have to be careful. And another scripture that spoke to me was this scripture. These two scriptures were powerful motivation in my heart to be careful. It helped me a lot. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Each month I get the Saudi Rials in hand. It was, it was very thrilling, joyful. But I also know, knew the scripture. My bank balance may be increasing, but riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. It may be in the bank, but the Bible says it will fly away. So you and I have to be very careful. Money is not everything. And there was a lady who was drowning in a ship. I'm sorry, drowning. Uh, the ship was sinking and she was thrown off the board and she was uh, drowning. The ship sank actually. And uh, people from the other ships were throwing a lifeline to her and telling her, hold on to this, hold on to this and we'll pull you. And this lady was refusing to pull, uh, hold, on, hold on to the lifeline that was thrown. And finally, she died and her body began to flow. When they found the body, she died and she went inside. And after a few days, her body was found. And they found both her hands were clutching on to a handbag filled with a gold jewelry. For her, money was more important than her life. Some of us will say, no, I can't be like, I don't think I will be like that. I'm sure I will also think, I won't, I don't think, Prem, I will be like that. But I don't know unless we're going to decide whom we're going to serve. We can't serve two masters. Either we will serve God or serve money. That's what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples. Serve God. Be faithful in small things. Be faithful in your secular responsibilities. Be faithful in someone else's things because money is not everything. Money is not everything. And what can we learn from this? The first one, start giving money away in portions that you sincerely feel is proportionate amount to what you get or earn for worthwhile causes and see the joy it brings to others and in turn to your heart. I repeat, start giving money away. Wow, money away. I can give something away, my used clothes away. I can give used things away. Can I give my money away in portions that I feel sincerely proportionate amount to what we get or earn for worthwhile classes? And see the joy it brings to others and in turn to your heart. Ask God, Lord, help me to come out. Help me to come out of this love of money if it is there in the heart. The next one, prioritize the importance of people over money. 
Abraham gave the choice to Lot, his cousin, said, you look, that, look into that chapter carefully. I don't have time. As I did my, was doing my studies for financial stewardship for my thesis, you know, I was very, uh, uh, very happy to know when Abraham gave this to Lot, the Bible says God appears to Abraham after this and tells him, Abraham, you have trusted me. I will make you, I'll give you lands. Look at that portion in, that, in the book of Genesis. Very interesting. Three times Abraham gives. I'm not saying give and God will give you. I'm not saying that. I'm not a, a person who, who will ever think like that and preach like that. But what I'm saying is God is a faithful God. I, I wanted to talk about the faithfulness of God. And God enables us when we don't have an affection for money. God himself becomes our total banker. And checking our hearts constantly with the help of the Holy Spirit. With the scriptures, where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Where our treasure is, there our heart will be. Think of these things. Prioritize people, importance of people. Give money away in small portions. You may think, I have given my tithes, I have given my offerings. I have this money to buy this, buy that. Fine, let's buy, let's uh, save. It's important. I also teach how to save. We have to save. The Bible says so. He that gathers money little by little makes it grow. So Bible talks about it, saving money. But not at the expense you know, of our care for God's kingdom. People in the world were in need. And God told this parable as the disciples were, as the Pharisees were listening, they were angry because they were lovers of money. We will love this parable if we are not lovers of money. We will not be disturbed in our spirits. And as we lay ourselves, we will lay our money also at the feet of God and say, Lord, help me to serve you. You know why Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters because money is a challenger to God. Money challenges God and wishes and has power to dethrone God from our hearts. So powerful is money. It's not the demonic forces, but money can do that. May God help you and me. God bless us. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. We thank you for helping us to study from this parable, Lord, that money is very subtle enemy who can dethrone you from our hearts. The love of money, when money increase, when riches increase, don't set your heart upon it. They will certainly make themselves wings and fly away like an eagle towards heaven. We pray that we will be pastors and leaders and members of a community Lord who will love you the foremost in our life money can never meet our need Lord it is not money that could help me to buy things it is you who gives me money to buy things I pray that all of us will be extremely careful yes Lord you want us to work hard 
You want us, Lord Master, to invest. You want us, Lord, to take care of our, our lives, our future, our children's future. But, Lord, that's not all. You want us to be careful that we are not lovers of money. And our security, our happiness, our joy will always be in you and not in money. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.